Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the fourteenth of December. Oh my gosh, this is the last show of Asia Pacific Currents for twenty nineteen, and I am sure, listeners, you're going to get sick of hearing this. But my my my, has the year flown? I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm Pierre Morrow, and that's right. We'll be away for six weeks. Our first program for next year will be February. I think it's Saturday, February first to twenty. So. So、um, we're going to take a well-deserved break, but we'll certainly be back with lots of uh, interesting uh, uh, comments and、uh, interviews and news and updates from the labour、um, movement in the region. And of course, you listen to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. That's、Giselle. right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at aawl at aawl dot org dot au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms and. And、uh, we are very, very confident that our mini news will be returning in the new year. So please stay tuned for that, and flick us an email if you want to get on to the distribution list of that. That's right, that's right. But、uh, on this pro-、um, program, on for the last show, well, first of all, a、uh, thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program, and that. Uh, music、uh, interlude was the sweet life by Catherine Tracos. Unfortunately, had to cut it short because we do have a full、uh, program today. And as、um, we had、uh, announced, we do have an interview、uh, with an activist from Iraq.、Um, it's、um, we've got from Nadia, Ma- Nadia Mahmoud, who is an Iraqi socialist. Now, this interview was done a few days ago. Uh, but it's really very much a reflection of the last two months of the protests in Iraq, and、um, it does go for seventeen minutes. So, Giselle, we better、um, get right into it. So, I think the first story is yours. It is indeed. We are going to start in in India, where、uh, there has been a horrific mass killing of workers in New Delhi. At least forty-three people were killed last Sunday morning, and another twenty injured when a fire in New Delhi broke out in a cramped commercial neighbourhood. The blaze, thought to have started by an electrical short circuit, erupted around five thirty in in the morning in a workshop used for making paper products and purses in a multi-storey building that housed a variety of other manufacturing units. Many of the factory's workers, for a large part migrants and some of them miners. Were sleeping at the factory when the fire started. The workers earned as little as 150 rupee, which translates to about three dollars ten a day.、Um, the workers who earned hardly anything.、Um, Uh, experienced blatant safety violations, and these hindered workers from leaving the factory safely. One of the two staircases in the building was reportedly blocked by stored products.、Um, the windows had been barred, and the one accessible exit was locked. According to officials, the factory lacked any safety licences, and many sources allege that the factory, as a whole, was operating illegally. Rescue operations were further hampered by the narrow streets of the area. In which the factory was located.
unfortunately, it sounds like um, uh, other fires in the past, like Tazreen in Pakistan yeah, and Qadar right. in um, Bangkok so many years ago. Very, um, um, uh, very criminal, actually. Um, we go to Iran, where in, an international coalition of Iranian labor activists and their supporters this week put out an open call for labor activists around the world to side with Iranian workers and their families against the oppressive Iranian government. Their call is in opposition to a view in some section of the left that sees the Iranian government as anti-imperialist as it is in opposition to the US government and therefore should be supported. The um, reality that is um, international coalition um, gone to state is that the Iranian government, while religiously based, is a capitalist economy that suppresses independent labor organizations and exploits workers like many other governments. Workers in Iran have experienced nothing but ongoing criminalization, persecution and prosecution over the last 40 years. The working class, poor and oppressed people in Iran need the full support and solidarity by the international labor, progressive and leftist movement globally. And we'd certainly agree with that uh, call. And now in the Philippines, all over the world, labor activists marked the 10th of December... International Human Rights Day to highlight organised violence against trade unionists and rights defenders in the Philippines. According to the Philippine Centre for Trade Union and Human Rights, at least 43 trade union and peasant leaders have been assassinated since Rodrigo Duterte took office in June 2016. As we've reported previously, systematic violence against trade unionists, community organisers, journalists and human rights activists underpins the widespread practice of red tagging, um, also smearing unions and their members as agents of subversion and therefore legitimate targets for a government repression. As if to confirm this climate of repression, on the evening of December 10, as she was coming back from the International Human Rights Day activities, Karapatan Secretary General Christina Palabe received a call and a series of texts threatening to rape and kill her. Terrible news, really terrible news. And um, we now go back to India, where this week the Hindu nationalist government, uh, headed by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, enacted an amendment to its Citizenship Act. The amendment gives automatic Indian citizenship to Buddhists, Christians, Hindus, Jains, Parsis and Sikhs who fled Afghanistan, Bangladesh and Pakistan before 2015. This bill clearly excludes Muslims and is seen as another step towards undermining the notion of secularism in India by using religion as a legal criterion to grant citizenship. Um, Human rights activists are also um, um, very worried that this new law is another step towards creating a Hindu chauvinist society in India with other cultures and religions religions being marginalised. Protests against this law have been widespread and in the northeastern states of Assam and Tripura, two people were killed by police. And more news from the Shipbreaking Yards. A new report titled Working... Living Occupational Health and Safety Conditions in Shipbreaking Yards in Gujarat, India, has once again highlighted the terrible conditions that workers are forced to endure. The research reported that lack of safety equipment, inadequate health facilities, overtime working hours and lack of accountability in case of accidents continue to haunt workers at the along Sasiya shipbreaking yard in Gujarat. More than half of the workers interviewed stated that they had been injured at their workplace during the last year. 
Of these, 39% had not received any medical support from their plot owners, and of the three health clinics, none have the necessary equipment to treat major and life-threatening injuries. In addition, about 50% of workers did not get any wage or compensation when they were on leave due to injury, and 18% continued to work despite their injuries as they needed the money. There have been 52 deaths between 2014 and the start of this year. Not surprisingly, over a third of the workers do not want to participate in trade union activities as they feel it might threaten their employment. Nothing like union repression. Um, We now go to Lebanon, where this week um, Lebanon's leading uh, Sunni Muslim politician Saad Hariri re-emerged as a candidate for Prime Minister uh, when businessman Samia Khatib withdrew his candidacy to lead a government in order to tackle the deepening economic and political crisis. The reaction from protesters was immediate, as most considered Saad Hariri as part of the problem that uh, actually led to the um, uprisings over the last two months. The Lebanese President uh, Michel Aoun responded by postponing until, uh, uh, until this Monday consultation with legislators to select a new Prime Minister. On the streets of Lebanon, protesters are continuing occupations and vigils all over the country to find constant harassment and violence by security forces. Public debates in squares and streets among the protesters are now a common sight, while journalists and social activists have started a new free monthly newspaper named October 17, as this was the day of the first mass protest, in order to publicise the views of the protesters and encourage um, uh, participation by the people. And um, that's the end of the news roundup. As again, Giselle, quite a um, varied and unfortunate, many many terrible uh, news items there. But the struggle keeps going. So um, we'll go to a quick committee announcement and then we'll be back with the um, our interview with Nadia. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. It's just uh, past nine, uh, 11 past nine o'clock here on Asia Pacific Current. Um, As uh, mentioned before, uh, we've got an interview with Nadia Mahmoud, who's an Iraqi socialist, about uh, analysing the mass uprisings in Iraq. Can you give us the main reasons of why these mass protests in Iraq have erupted over the last couple of months? The uh, reason behind this protest was the um, mainly economic uh, crisis we have in Iraq. The number of unemployment in Iraq reached about 40% and there is a lot of corruption in the country. So people fed up with the all the what they saw of the corruption within the political class, and at the same time there is like six hundred thousand graduated young male and 
female who can't find jobs, not in the public sector and not in the private sector. Do we have major groups who are organising this protest or do you think it's been mainly spontaneous and a build-up over a long time? The protest, I mean, there was some groups who called for the protest to start on 1st of October, but many young people, many individuals joined later on. So, yeah, there are there were groups behind the call for protest. But, I mean... People were very angry and wanted to do something about what's going on. Obviously, since 2010, uh, we have seen the so-called springs in many countries, West Asia and North Africa. Do you think that this is connected with, with that long wave of protests? I think the same reasons why people revolted in 2010, 2011, started again. I mean, the same reasons, the economic reasons. People want jobs, young people want jobs. They want the, the wealth in their countries to be distributed in a fair way. So the same reason, the economic reasons was in 2011 and again it's in 2019, whether in Lebanon or Iraq or Iran, is the same reason, the economic and the reasons and people want security, financial security, political security. Uh, so this is the main reason, I think. But of course, if you look at Iraq specifically, it has quite a unique history, especially since the US invasion in 2003. It went through bouts of civil war. It's had the whole rise and demise of, of ISIS. It's also had sporadic uprisings in, uh, in both the north and the south. So why now and why has it taken this form, these protests? I think now people fed up with the whole situation. The whole country was at a boiling point. It was enough for any trigger to explore the situation, the whole situation. Before 1st of October, there were many sit-ins many strikes and many demands and people and you know in September the government demolished some houses many houses actually many houses who built on state-owned lands uh, that people built houses people who are unemployed and they can't offer to rent houses so they build the small houses in many many cities in Iraq so the government attacked them and demolished their houses in the same time, we have graduated uh, PhD holders, masters, uh, graduated with master degrees. All of them, they were in sit-ins asking for jobs. So uh, that's why I'm saying that the economic reasons was behind the people live in poverty. And they see no reason why they live in poverty while the state has all this wealth. And they divided this wealth among the Islamic political parties and their militias while they are left with no resources. That's why people revolted and they felt that, that enough is enough and they have to do something about it. You mentioned the issue of militias. From what we can see that um, this mass uh, protest movement is very much 
anti-sectarian but what has been the role and what have the, all these various militias which are often armed been in this protest? Well they attacked protesters in many cities from day one from day one when the, the protests started on 1st of October the government forces in addition to the militias they attacked demonstrators whether in the main squares like Stahri Square or in the suburbs when people you know they organized protests in their areas so they attacked and many of them some people killed like in Al Ghazaliya and Sadr City uh, people were attacked by militias and I guess uh, maybe you heard about what happened in Nasiriya uh, when the government forces and militias attacked people. And just last night, 6th of December, Asa'ib Ahl al-Haq, Badr and other militias, they attacked people on the bridge of Sink and Bridge and Ahrar Bridge. They attacked and killed only on 6th of December. They killed about 15 people and wounded others. So the militias they are a part of the government, so they are attacking people side to side with the government forces. In fact, they are more influential and more violent than even government forces. They are backed by Iran, and they want to, this protest to be end. So they think by using violence, they could put an end to the protest. And this is approved, uh, you know, not correct, because people are continuing their protests in all cities in, in central and southern part of Iraq. There's a lot in the answer you gave, so I'll just ask a, a couple of questions from that. Now, you mentioned the militias and the government as well. There's some connection. There's all, they're also separate. Now, from what I can see, the protesters are demanding that the government resign, new government, new policies. But how does that involve the militias? Are there demands against the militias as well? Yeah, of course, because the government itself is formed by political parties who all of them have their militias. So when we say this government should go, it means that the political parties should go with their militias. So that's include the militias. And the militias have like very, very violent role against people. So they, first of all, this militias should be gone and a new government should be formed and all these political parties who participated in this government shouldn't be allowed to be, you know, to take part again in the, in the, in the new government. So now the prime minister gone, but what we want, people want, is that the whole political system that based on power sharing and pour on sectarian division and, and the militia should be end. Now you've mentioned about the number of people who've died and we've all seen some of the, the images. It must be incredibly scary times for the demonstrators but the people keep going. The, it must show that people are really committed to what they're doing no matter how bad the repression becomes. Yeah, the thing is now young people really have nothing to lose when they face with the, all these militias and government forces. They are jobless. They have no, they are 
unable to have their houses or get married or establish normal life. So really they have nothing to lose. And that's the reason why they continue, even though the government attacked them or the militias opened fire against them, still they keep going because they can't go back to the same situation. They had nothing, absolutely nothing to maintain. So that's why they find the only way is just just keep going and to change the situation. They have really miserable life. That's why they, they that, that's the reason why continue. How are the protesters defending themselves? Because obviously the the military arsenal of these militias and the government is, is huge. Well, they are centered in the squares like Tahrir Squares and Habubi Square and other cities. So they get together and they try to keep themselves together and they try to provide, support themselves by those who are on the front line, on the bridges, facing their riot police, provide themselves with, with food. But as, as far as protection, I can't see like they have really nothing to protect themselves. They are unarmed, so they stay in their tents and they, they have nothing to, to protect. They, are not, they have nothing, no means to protect themselves. They just say it's peaceful, it's peaceful, but the government treats them in very, and the militias in a very violent way. Obviously, while the, the protests so far have been heroic and have really uh, accomplished much, the road ahead is still quite hard. And so are you seeing that as these protests continue, there are new organisations, new networks being set up by the demonstrators to be able to coordinate this more? There are political parties, civil society organizations, trade unions, unemployed people. They started now to, I mean, some, some people started to, who are not part of political groups to um, establish their own organizations. For example, the unemployed young people, they are talking about how to get organized. So, of course, because in one square, so they are networking with each other. They're trying to reach kind of agreement on representation for the protesters. But it seems sometimes the political differences and their views can't get them together. But of course, yeah, there is network, there is connections, people visiting, you know, the tents visiting each other. They organize seminars. Many sit-ins uh, took place, speeches delivered, uh, publications, newsletters published. So people get connected and try to organize activities together. And you said there's a lot of activity, a lot of network, a lot of organizing. So do you think also there is a look at what happened in the so-called Arab Springs over the last nine years to see where people got it right, people got it wrong, and what has worked and what hasn't, so that they could learn? Yeah. At the beginning, people opposed any political party's contribution or participations in the, in the protests. They were against political parties. And they liked the fact that this movement started spontaneous. But now they are talking about the importance of organization. 
uh, how they should get organized and get representation for, for, you know, to make their voice heard. How much they look back to what happened in, in 2011, I don't think they look at to that past a lot, but they are looking at what is missing now. What is missing now is the representation. Who represents the protesters in Iraq now? If we are talking about political alternative, who are representative for the political alternative? Now people, although they talked about these things, but they didn't reach yet to the point where they can appoint or elect presentation for themselves so they can negotiate with whoever in the power. Like the thing that happened in Sudan, for example, there was in Sudan a group of freedom and change who could negotiate with the, with the power there. Now we don't have such a thing. In the beginning, people, they said, we don't want anyone to represent us. That was like two months ago. Now they started to reach the point that we should have kind of representation for our movement. But this still is ongoing. And myself, I don't believe this movement going to end any soon. People are angry, aggrieved, and they, because they lost more than... 600 people and you cannot imagine how popular this uprising is so popular like families the hundreds of thousands of families who donated money food many many things the families were very supportive for the demonstrators so it's so popular and i don't think it's gonna end so that's why it needs a kind of organization they're all very interesting comments that you make and we'll certainly look at what happens and, and who comes out to represent these uh, protests. But I know it's very difficult to look ahead, but the recent history of Iraq is unfortunately full of bloodshed. How do you think that a bloodbath or a civil war is going to be avoided? And I'm thinking more of, of a question of the repression. Yeah, it is possible it's going to end with maybe militias. For example, the violence happened yesterday, the killing of protesters yesterday. It comes after the U.S. put four individuals who are leaders of militias on the blacklist. These militias, their leaders, started to give orders to their members to attack demonstrators so while the U.S. punished them, they tried to punish people. And some of the victims were from another members from another militias. So there is a possibility that we may have a war between militias in, in Iraq. And this is really very dangerous. We know that the militias are backed by Iran. And Iran has like the upper hand and Soleimani is there. But they could send their members to attack people, and people are unarmed. But if the tribes get in, it happens in Nasiriya city, the tribes get in, and they are armed, the tribes. So there is a possibility that it's going to turn to civil war, really. And especially if there is no representation for the protesters, it's going to be really dangerous. So, yeah, it's, it's not easy situation, and there is many possibilities. 
There's a last question, Nadia. What could solidarity activists, the labour movement internationally and left-wing activists do to support these protests in Iraq? I think the uh, workers' movement, first, I mean, to bridge between the movement there and your country, for example, and in Iraq, sending letters of solidarity. It's important for trade unions here. And also to put a pressure maybe on your government to pressurize Iraqi government to hold the government responsible and uh, to pressurize it to put an end or to stop this violence against people. So I think by making, you know, connection between uh, Australia and Iraqis. Thank you very much, Nadia, and for that very good analysis of what's happening in uh, Iraq. We share your concern that while it's uh, incredibly heroic, what they're doing, there's a lot of danger sign there and uh, we hope that uh, you and all your comrades uh, are be able to remain safe. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that was an interview I did a few days ago with Nadia Mahmoud, who's an Iraqi uh, socialist, explaining the the current uprising in Iraq and some of the main uh, players and some of the main issues facing the protesters. And that's really all the time that we've got. That Giselle, this is it. This is it for 2019. We'll see you all again uh, in February. Have a very safe and comradely holiday period. It is very difficult for lots of you out there. So take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. That's right. And uh, we'll be back on the 1st of February 2020 with another program of Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Workerling. So stay tuned to 3CR. Keep listening to this um, fantastic community radio station. And coming up uh, straight after me is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.